Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Insider Dave Spadaro, and we've got our tailgate edition once again. We're partying on this Friday, hopeful that the Eagles will get into the win column on Sunday. One o'clock kickoff at Lincoln Financial Field against the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals, who feature number one draft pick Joe Burrow at the quarterback position, explosive players at the skill positions, and a defense that has been shredded by the run game. In just a moment, we're going to talk to Carson Wentz about that very thing. We've also got a visit from former Eagles wide receiver Calvin Williams. We're going to play a cut from Jim Schwartz talking about the state of the Eagles defense. It's not a particularly pretty picture after two weeks. It's something that Schwartz and the Eagles want to turn around. And of course, our weekly riff from a top Eagles fan. He loves them just as much as you and I. Mad Money's Jim Cramer. Let's begin with Wentz, who's had a tough week, let's be honest. He's been criticized in the local media, the national media, by the fans. He's thrown two touchdown passes, four interceptions, lost a fumble. So what is the mindset of Carson Wentz? We'll get into it here with our weekly one-on-one with number 11. Welcome everyone to our weekly one-on-one with quarterback Carson Wentz. Carson, how are you? I'm doing fine, doing fine. Obviously disappointed where we're at uh, at this point in the season, but excited for another opportunity. You know, we realize it's a long season and um, not where we wanted to be uh, at the beginning here, but uh, we're excited we get another chance and uh, get this thing going in the right direction. You are a guy who has lost very few football games in your football career. How do you react when it doesn't go your way on a Sunday? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, especially when you you play the way you did and you leave a lot of plays out on the field. Uh, You know you can execute better. And um, really week one, we know we let it get away from us. And week two, we just didn't show up and play the way we wanted to play. And so for me as as a leader and all the other leaders, it's time to rally everyone around us and just continue to believe. Don't let any doubt creep in or anything like that. And um, we know what we're capable of doing, and we're excited to go prove that. I would like to talk about the game plan, and I'm not asking you to give me any secrets, but if you'd like to share it with me right now, that's fine. But, you know, we look at the at the Cincinnati Bengals and we say, okay, last Thursday they allowed 210 yards rushing to the Cleveland Browns. So, Eagles, run the football. Is that how it works? Can you kind of take us inside how a game plan is actually formulated? Yeah, I mean, every week you kind of have a game plan, but once you're in the middle of the game, um, you got to make adjustments. And a team like the, the Bengals, they come out with a, a game plan specific to each opponent they're playing. So we can watch all the tape, put together a game plan, but we got to be ready to adjust with how they want to play us. And so um, you've seen that over the last couple of weeks is just the nature of the game. Um, and how it, how it always flows. But for us, it, you know, we kind of have all of what we do um, and then just be ready to pick and choose from, from that list depending upon what they want to do against us. Do you often go to the line of scrimmage and see things that you have not seen before? It definitely happens. Uh, it definitely happens, especially, you know, the last two weeks with um, some newer D coordinators, and, you know, lacking some film from both um, and how they call defenses and those sorts of things. And so that's definitely happened, but but it's okay because, you know, we feel if we just do what we do, uh, we can do it against any defense and just play fast and execute, and we just got to do a better job of that. Carson, do you have input during the week on the plays that go into the game plan? Definitely, yeah. It's uh, – you know, I think everyone really does. I think that's something coach does a, a great job of doing is, um, 
you know, kind of delegating, so to speak, even with the position coaches and then with us players and hearing everyone's voices. Um, obviously, Coach Peterson still has the final say. He's the one calling them, but um, he does a great job of allowing everybody to speak their opinion and forming this game plan together. Coaches obviously are heavily involved, and they're the ones really dialing it in, but um, he comes to us for advice and opinions on stuff, and uh, I think that's one thing that I appreciate about him and really the whole team does. So where are the Bengals good from what you've seen in two weeks? Um, they're just they mix it up, you know. I think they're good at trying to confuse you um, and just m- making it look like one thing and showing something else, and you know, bringing a different blitz a different way and just trying to confuse you and do so many different things. And so they're they're going to make their plays, and, and we just got to stay on top of it. But um, you know, we feel there's big plays out there to be had. We just got to stay the course, and um, I think they just do a good job of disguising things and, and trying to hide some things. Before we get into the Eagles, one final question about the preparation. How many hours a week do you spend watching film? Can you quantify that? <laughs> I'm not even sure a number, to be honest. But, you know, it's something that we put a lot of time into. You know, I, I know we as players put a lot of time into, and coaches do um, over twice as much as what we as players put in. So so it is a lot of work just coming up with a game plan, watching an opponent, and, and sometimes you can overthink some of those things. But um, it's a big part of what we do. It's not all just the about being on the field making plays. There's a lot of X's and O's and behind the scenes going on. Carson, the the offense takes another blow with Isaac going on IR and then Jalen Rager being injured. Um, As far as wide receivers go, it would appear that maybe John Hightower and J.J. have more prominent roles. How do you feel about them and and that possibility? Yeah, I'm excited for those guys. You know, it's it's the old cliche thing. We've always said it's the next man up around here, but um, I'm excited about both those guys. You know, J.J., you know, down the stretch last year and really kind of coming into his own and um, liked what I saw this offseason from him. And then John just, you know, continuing to grow with him and develop a relationship with him. Uh, I think they both do a great job, different skill sets, um, you know, definitely challenge the, the opposing defenses. So um, it'll be good for, for both those guys to continue to get their reps and get, get their experience. And uh, I have a lot of faith in both those guys. I think everybody kind of knew that 2020 would be different at the beginning of the season for sure. Do you have to remind yourself of that from day to day? Um, a little bit. I mean, it's we're still wearing masks. We're still having, you know, different different things going on at the facility from the protocols and everything. And um, the playing in front of no fans is strange. Uh, it's very strange. It's different. It doesn't have quite the same atmosphere. But um, that's one thing I did miss last week playing at home. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still football. So you know, once we're playing, we're just we're just thankful that we're allowed to, to still be playing this game, and so far, so good. 0-2, Carson, um, take me inside the locker room. What is the mood of this football team? Guys are positive. You know, guys are positive, confident. Um, you know, I think that's a reflection of, you know, I think we have a lot of good leadership on this team and guys, you know, stepping up and just not allowing younger guys or anybody else to start letting that doubt creep in and just, hey, remember who you are, remember the type of team we can be, and, and we'll be just fine. And so I think I've seen a, a lot of positivity going on, and guys are excited to get back out there. Have you ever run across a player in the NFL who's not confident and who's not positive? I mean, that's kind of the mindset you have to have, right? I mean, you definitely have to have it, but, I mean, there's definitely things that, that can creep in and um, if you let it. So I think that's, that's definitely – um, a good point. You know, most guys, you, you say you need it, but, you know, you really have to um, kind of push each other and encourage each other at times so that that doubt doesn't creep in. How good would it, will it feel, Carson, to beat the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday? It feels like this team just needs to get kind of that proverbial monkey off the back. Yeah, it, it'll be great. Um, obviously, we got a lot of work to do. We got, you know, they're a good opponent. They're coming into our house. And so, uh, you know, we're excited to get back out there and show what we can do. 
Do you have a relationship with Joe Burrow at all? I do not yet. I do not. But, you know, a lot of respect for him and what he did in his college career, what he did last year, and, and how he's playing so far this year. And so uh, I'm excited to, to go up against him. Well, hopefully he has a dud of a game. And uh, I'm predicting four touchdowns for Carson Wentz against the Bengals on Sunday. Sounds good, right? That sounds great. Sounds <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Hey, Carson, good luck on Sunday against the Bengals. Thanks for joining me. Our one-on-one, weekly one-on-one -on -one with quarterback Carson Wentz. Thanks, Carson. Thanks, Dave. It's a revealing clip, and that's why I wanted to play it in the show. Defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz has compiled a very impressive track record here with the Eagles in his four-plus seasons. But through two weeks, the Eagles are struggling. They haven't taken the football away. They've given up points, touchdowns, a lot of them in the red zone. Seven of nine trips for opposing teams inside the Eagles' 20-yard line have resulted in touchdowns. The run game last week allowed 191 yards to the Los Angeles Rams. The sack totals are down. The third down efficiency, down. What in the world is going on with the Eagles defense? Here's some perspective from Schwartz, who understands that the turnaround must begin right now. We had very experienced players make uncharacteristic mistakes. Um, you know, Rodney talked about himself, um, guys like Brandon Graham, who's one of the best backside run defenders I've ever been around. Um, we got gashed on a couple runs because Brandon didn't close the way that he normally closes. Or, um, you know, Avante Maddox, who is a young vet, but he's an experienced player looking in the backfield, letting a guy run past him. Um, you know, Jalen Mills, um, you know, playing the run when it was a pass. When, when too many of those things happen, I don't blame the players. I blame myself. You know, you have one missed assignment or, you know, you have one tough matchup or a guy physically gives up the play. A lot of times you can't lose confidence in your game plan and you can't blame yourself for things like that. But when you get experienced players that start making those kind of mistakes, then you're like, okay, we're on the wrong track here. And, and like I said, I was, I was, uh, I was, a, step, uh, I was a step behind switching to plan B, and I should have been uh, quicker on the switch. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things in that game that weren't us. Talked about guys like Brandon Graham or Rodney, and I could go through every guy. You guys know I don't, like, call guys out in the media. But um, things that we've typically been very good at over the last four years, we're not very good at right now. Over the last four years, we're the number one run defense in the NFL. We're not playing like that right now. Um, you know, we're, we're the, I think, number two red zone defense in the NFL over the last four years. Not, not, not right now. Um, we're like the number three third down defense in the uh, NFL over those years. Not right now. We're top ten in takeaways. Not right now. Top ten in, um, in points allowed. We're, we're bleeding points. And my message to the guys was even more than those areas. we got to get back to being us because we have a track record of being good over time in those in those areas. But the area that, that, that I'm more on high alert for is our response to adversity. And, you know, typically in the past, we've been a team that can weather through a lot of different things. We can set our jaws and, you know, and, and, and make a play, you know, a, a turnover happens. We get out and get a stop. Um, we can change the momentum of the game with a takeaway or, you know, a sack or something like that. And I think that even though, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling in a lot of those other areas, the area I'd, I'd really like to see the most improvement is that, 
that ability to, to set our jaws and go out there, regardless of the situation, regardless of anything, go out there and, um, and get those things stopped because we're failing in that regard right now. Calvin Williams was part of an Eagles draft class that included wide receivers Mike Bellamy and Fred Barnett. Williams was as impressive as both of them, certainly more impressive than Bellamy, almost as impressive as Fred Barnett in terms of career numbers. In Williams' seasons with the Eagles, he caught 295 passes, 3,840 yards, and 34 touchdowns. We had a chance to talk to him as our Microsoft Teams Eagles Legend of the Week, a visit from number 89. Welcome, everyone. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. And our Legend of the Week is former Eagles wide receiver Calvin Williams, who played with Eagles from 1990 to 1996. 296 catches, uh, 295 catches, 3,800 yards, Calvin, 34 touchdowns. It's good to see you. You look great. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, you guys reaching out to me. And uh, always a pleasure when I can, you know, meet with you and, and the Eagles Nation and, 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 and talk about things from the past, future, and present, and all that good stuff. You got that right. Are you, are you staying in touch with the Eagles and, and following the team and following the NFL? Pretty much as much as I can. We're in the Midwest, so we're in the Colts Bears territory, but I'm watching the Eagles uh, every week and, and, uh, you know, just looking forward to them getting back uh, to the Super Bowl and uh, and, and making uh, Philadelphia proud. As are we. Calvin, it's interesting. In 2020, uh, the Eagles used three draft picks um, on wide receivers. 1990, it was you, it was Mike Bellamy, it was Fred Barnett. Um, what is so difficult about going from college football wide receiver to NFL wide receiver? Um, I, I, I think looking at it, and retrospective, um, retrospectively, um, it's a mental game. It depends on what type of system you came out of. Um, and then it's given, being given the opportunity. And, uh, you know, I came from a system uh, the first two years being in college where we, uh, it was a pro system, uh, you know, so I knew how to run routes down the field. Um, we also did a lot of uh, press, man. I was going against Rod Woodson, Steve Jackson, and uh, Chris Dishman every day in practice. So uh, bump and run coming in the NFL was no no thing to me. Um, and then it's the mental part and getting the reps. We, we knew that, you know, being three receivers, the Eagles were looking to do something different. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of reps and, and got a lot of opportunity. And then it was just up to us to, uh, to be prepared uh, mentally, to be able to handle it, you know, because it was an intimidating um, uh, arena, when you come in there, you think about that defense and, and the guys they had on the other side of the ball. And uh, if you were up for the challenge, you know, you uh, you know, cream rises to the top. And, you know, that's what I tried to do. How about young, you're a young guy when you come into the NFL. What is the mental pressure? Like, what is, you know, you're making money, you're living this big life. How difficult is that? It's very difficult because you have Mike Quick, you have Chris Carter, you have Randall Cunningham, you have Reggie. Uh, white, you have, you, you know, all these named guys who coming out of high school and college, you're watching them. And, and the biggest thing is not to be enamored by that. And that's what I tried to do. I just tried to worry about what I could control. And that was knowing my playbook, knowing what to do when I got the opportunity and then taking advantage of it. And, you know, that that was my mindset. You know, this was a, I was getting the opportunity to live my childhood dream. And, and I wasn't in my mind, I wasn't going to let the opportunity slip me, uh, slip by me. 
And uh, I was going to do everything in my power that I can control to take advantage of that opportunity. Calvin, I think Eagles fans would fall over at the chance to walk into a locker room with, you know, you and Freddie and <laughs> Randall and Reggie and all. Of, what was it like kind of with all these years of perspective? These are the biggest names in the history of the NFL. It was it was like a box of chocolates, man. You never knew what you were going to get. You, you never knew coming in the morning if, if you were going to get Reggie White doing Hulk Hogan, uh, Jerome Brown being kind of like what Charles Barkley is today. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. He's going to be genuine. He's going to tell you the truth. He's going to give it to you straight. And then you had Randall, Randall Cunningham, who you know always wanted to talk business, who was always thinking outside of the box, uh, beyond athletics, and you know, you know, trying to avoid him sometimes because he's always wanting to talk business and, and and things of that nature where you just want to focus on football. Randall, I have to make the team. You know, you're, you're set. I got to do this in order to you know get where you are. So you never knew, man. And it was it was just a great time um, looking back on it. A lot of different personalities. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot in my first couple of years there playing with all those guys. I ask this question a lot of former players, Calvin. I wonder for you, um, do you remember, as you look back, the games, the people, the interactions, the fans? Like, what, when you think about playing in Philadelphia, what are the memories? The first thing comes to you is the fans. You never, I knew what to expect from, you know, crowded stadiums. I, I've played in crowded stadiums, but the, emotional investment that the Philadelphia fans have is is it's nothing equal to it you know um I've played in Oakland who have passionate fans I've played in Kansas City who have passionate fans New York Stadium Meadowlands passionate fans and I may be slightly biased but I, I'll, I'll tell you nobody who, who is sane would say that they would want to play Philadelphia would be your last place you wanted to play uh, when it came to playing football. You were drafted by Buddy Ryan, the late, great Buddy Ryan, um, then Rich Kotite. Uh, let's talk about the difference in the styles of coaching and the personalities. I mean, I know Buddy probably never called you Calvin or Williams. He called you by your uniform number. Uh, <laughs> 89. <laughs> 89. And Richie the K may have gotten your name wrong. Who knows? But what was it like for both of those guys? Uh, it was great. They were different personalities. Obviously, one was a defensive coach who thought, you know, don't pass the football because, you know, three things could happen, two of them are bad. That was his mentality. And then Rich Kotite, who, who was an offensive-minded guy who had been in the league for years, uh, you know, but never quite connected. And, you know, I think, to you know, and to his defense, Buddy was so loved and the way he went out on a winning record and not being given a chance. You know, I think Rich never got a fair shake from the team as a, as a total body. And, and I think it was unfortunate for him, you know, that he never got a good grasp of the team when Buddy was so loved. Calvin, what is in your Calvin Williams man cave from your days as a Philadelphia Eagle? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, memorabilia. Um, there's a picture. Um, there's a Super Bowl pretzel picture of me, Andre, Fred, and Reggie. Um, there's an Eagles man cave mantra uh, above uh, my outside door. Um, um, Eagles pictures of me, framed jerseys. Um, uh, 
uh, all around uh, from my high school, uh, you know, days from my college days, but a lot of, mostly Eagle memorabilia. Did you live in the city when you played here or did you live in South Jersey or the Philadelphia suburbs? My first year I lived in Mount Laurel, uh, didn't like the commute, uh, didn't like the fact that I was getting taxed in New Jersey, Philadelphia. <laughs> so um, the subsequent years I rented and uh, lived out of uh, International City, right around the airport, Coleman Suites, pretty much in that area. And, uh, you know, um, commuted sometimes back and forth uh, between Philadelphia and Baltimore. You just wouldn't come into the city. You didn't want to get in trouble, did you? <laughs> you didn't no, want I didn't. <laughs> You're right, you're right. Meanwhile, Freddie Barnett's walking the streets of Philadelphia every day looking for trouble. Every day. <laughs> every day. Hey, Calvin, last time I saw you, I think, was the snow game, Eagles and Detroit, 2016. Yeah. What do you remember about that crazy, crazy day? That crazy, crazy day is a day I'll never forget, and I'll tell you why. In typical Philadelphia fan fashion, we're up in the suite, and... We're looking down, and for some reason, some Detroit fans obviously hadn't been notified or on um, attire to wear at a Philadelphia Eagles game. They had on their Philadelphia, I mean, their Detroit Lion Barry Sanders gear. And these fans sitting about five rows in front of us in the suite, they weren't in the suites, but they were in the seats. They were five rows in front of us, but about 10 rows behind the Detroit fans. And they were just plopping them with snowballs. <laughs> and then the guy, of course, the guys would look back, and everybody just be, you know, stone faced. And then they turn around, <laughs> then they right, and just plop it. And they just kept going it throughout the game. And finally, the guys just got up and left. They called the ushers, and the ushers were like, you know, what do we, what do you mean? <laughs> but I'll never forget that day. And uh, you know, I, I think you know that was probably. Uh, one day that I'll never forget. That was awesome. Hey, Calvin, I know that you're involved with the University of Purdue, your alma mater, with the athletic department there. Um, very difficult times for the college sports scene. What can you tell us about fall sports, winter sports, spring sports, and the, the state of athletics at the University of Purdue? Uh, uh, nothing's been canceled. Uh, contrary to popular belief, nothing has been canceled. A lot of sports have been pushed back. You know, we're looking at January starts for our fall sports, and then we'll start to work on the schedules for the winter sports and then the spring sports. But um, it's been a difficult, you know, a time and, and adjusting and have to, you know, um, once you move sports back, you have your limited venues, uh, scheduled dates, limited personnel, uh, personnel, you know, so you have to work through all those things. So that's what we're doing at this point. Uh, but fortunately, uh, we've got football, we've got men's basketball, which are the primary revenue generators for, you know, most universities. So we've got those guys going, we've got them slated to return. And now we just got to work on the other sports moving forward. And like I said, hopefully um, to this point, nothing's been canceled. That's good to hear. Keep everybody safe. Uh, the only thing I have to finish with is in your Eagles man cave, I can't believe you don't have a pair of black cleats autographed or something. The black cleats are in my closet. I still have them from 1990, my Black cleats. Being that we haven't really lived in Baltimore, we still have a house there. Uh, but so I haven't quite finished the man cave there. But the black cleats are in safe storage. They will go up at some time in the man cave. Well, I, I speak on behalf of all Eagles fans who remember those days. <laughs> Thank you very much for paying homage to the black cleats. They were sweet.
Oh, yeah. Never getting rid of those. I love them. Hey, Calvin, great to see you. Thanks so much for stopping by. Calvin Williams, stay safe, stay healthy. You look great. And good luck to Purdue this year. Thanks, Dave. Nice to meet with you guys and, and go Eagles Nation. You got it, brother. Take care. And finally, on this tailgate edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast, Jim Kramer's about to riff, as he does every week here. The mad money genius is upset that the Eagles are 0-2, but he doesn't think that the 0-2 Eagles are the real thing. He's expecting a whole lot more beginning Sunday against the Bengals. I'm Jim Kramer, and welcome to my world. You need to get in the game. Fools are going to go out of business, and he's nuts. They're nuts. They know nothing. I always like to say there's a bull market somewhere. And I promise Mad you money. Just you can't afford to miss it. Hey, I'm Kramer. Right, maybe we're going to see the real Eagles this weekend. And the reason I say that is because combination of injuries, combination of no preseason, combination of what I just think are some things that are coachable, that will change, makes me feel that you can have a whole new season starting on Sunday. And what a team to start to start against. You've got a rookie quarterback. You have a front four that really is and can be aggressive. We don't know about Fletcher Cox. But I do know this. This is a team that is a tough team in a tough city. And it's not a team that gives up. And there are a lot of towns where an 0-2 team means a team that is not going to make the playoffs. That is not us. That's not Coach Peterson. That's not Howie Roseman. That's not our team. And that's why I think that we are going to surprise this weekend. It's going to be the beginning of the streak. And those who counted us out, you know what? I can't tell you I'm going to see you in Tampa Bay, but I certainly won't see you at the playoffs. And that will do it for this Eagles Insider Podcast Tailgate Edition, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Peter Kelly and Ray Doyle for their work. Thanks to all of you for joining us. If you have a chance to drop us a review, the link is in the details section of your podcast library. I'll be back on Sunday evening with the reaction from Lincoln Financial Field as the Eagles looking to get into the win column. And with the Bengals now and then road games at San Francisco and Pittsburgh, followed by a home game against Baltimore. Yeah, this is a huge game for Philadelphia to keep pace in the NFC East. Thanks for joining, everyone. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, and fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! We want you to know about all the podcasts in the Eagles network of podcasts. So make sure you tune in to not only this Eagles Insider podcast three times a week, but make sure you subscribe and listen to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, our Journey to the Draft podcast Tuesday and Thursday, and our Eagles Update podcasts, which give you the news in a flash Monday through Saturday throughout this 2020 season. Sign up, subscribe, and listen to our Eagles network of podcasts.